Hello everyone and welcome to the October 27th edition of WorkComp Academy Weekly News. I'm Eric Law, an attorney with Floyd, Scarron and Kelly. Thanks for joining us today. Let's get started with our litigation report. The Court of Appeal affirmed terminating sanctions obtained by the State Compensation Insurance Fund in discovery dispute it had in Superior Court with an employer. Here's what happened in the unpublished case of State Compensation Fund versus Notice Enterprises. In 2004, the State Fund issued a workers' compensation policy to an employer who was a construction company. It audited the employer the following year to calculate the final premium due. The audit resulted in additional premiums of nearly $500,000 under the 2004 policy. Skiff was unsuccessful in obtaining payment, thus it assigned the debt to a collection company that sued the employer to recover. The fund propounded its first discovery set to the employer, which included form interrogatories, requests for admission, and requests for production of documents. The employer's response to each of these requests was the same generic responses, such as, overbroad, overburdensome, vague and ambiguous, irrelevant, seeks information not reasonably calculated to lead to the, delivery, to the discovery of admissible evidence. This was the beginning of a discovery war between the parties that became quite acrimonious. For example, during one deposition, the employer's attorney ridiculed the questions and then abruptly ended the deposition. There were numerous successful motions by Skiff to enforce discovery, including monetary sanctions, and finally the appointment of a discovery referee. The result of one motion was a finding that the employer and its counsel willfully violated the court's order by failing to attend the deposition and produce documents in a timely fashion by stonewalling and walking out of the deposition. Yet the employer continued to evade identifying specific documents and potential witnesses in support of its denial that it owed any money. The SCIF again filed discovery motions and requests for terminating sanctions, which the referee recommended. The referee found appellant's discovery responses continued to be dilatory, evasive, lacking a factual basis, and thus violative of the prior court orders. The trial court granted terminating sanctions, which were affirmed in the unpublished case. Under the Civil Discovery Act, courts may impose monetary, terminating, and contempt sanctions for misuse of the discovery process. Terminating sanctions can include striking a party's pleadings and rendering a judgment by default against the party for willful violations preceded by a history of abuse where the evidence shows that less severe sanctions would not produce compliance with the discovery rules. The record supports the referee's finding that appellant and its counsel repeatedly failed to respond to discovery, made unmeritorious objections and evasive responses, disobeyed court orders, opposed motions to compel without substantial justification, and failed to confer in good faith. Thus, this case is a good overview of the enforcement mechanisms available when a litigant unreasonably interferes with appropriate discovery. 
More than a dozen lawsuits were filed in Los Angeles Superior Court against Pacific Hospital of Long Beach, former hospital executive Michael Drobot, and a collection of his business partners, plaintiffs, alleged that, and a collection of his business partners, plaintiffs, alleged that the group was behind counterfeit screws and hardware used in spinal surgeries at various Southern California hospitals. The lawsuits claim that unknowing patients underwent spinal surgeries with certain hardware, allegedly made at a machine shop in Temecula. Also named in the lawsuit are Pacific Hospital of Long Beach, Riverside Community Hospital, Spinal Solutions, Orthopedic, Orthopedic Alliance, Crowder Machine and Tool Shop, and Drs. Jack Akmakchian, Sonia Paul, and Khalid Ahmed. The plaintiff attorneys say they have received hundreds of calls from people concerned they may have the fake parts. The lawsuits say that victims are among thousands of spinal fusion surgery patients who have such counterfeit, non-FDA approved medical devices implanted into their bodies. According to the lawsuit, Spinal Solutions, a distributor out of Murrieta, was behind the manufacture of the fake screws provided to the hospitals. Drobot's attorney, Terry Bowers, said the lawsuits are scare tactics and that they are reprehensible. He further denies any counterfeit parts were used at Drobot's hospital. Bowers said the federal indictment does not include any accusations regarding fake screws and he said his own investigation into hospital records does not indicate counterfeit screws were used there. And in response, Drobot filed a $50 million defamation lawsuit against the group of plaintiff's attorneys. He alleges they have falsely claimed in broadcast comments that he directed surgeons to install counterfeit screws in thousands of spinal surgery patients. The Orange County Superior Court case alleges that lawyers, including Brian Kabatek and Robert Hutchinson and, uh, and their law firms, made false claims during a television interview that were malicious and patently false. He claims these lawyers needlessly create incredible anxiety for hundreds of, of former patients at Pacific Hospital. He alleges that his hospital did not compromise patient care. The lawsuit alleges that the lawyers made the remarks as a solicitation for patients to join in their pending lawsuits against Drobot and HealthSmart Pacific Incorporated. Drobot affirmed under oath in a verified complaint that he and Pacific Hospital of Long Beach never purchased or used any non-FDA approved screws or other, other related parts made with non-FDA approved materials for use in spinal surgeries. Hutchinson in an interview with the Long Beach Press-Telegram said the lawsuit is an attempt to intimidate him and other attorneys and to intimidate patients from coming forward in a pending lawsuit against Drobot and the company that previously owned Pacific Hospital. He says the lawsuit is characteristic of a strategic lawsuit against public participation, commonly known as SLAP, used to try and censor, intimidate, or silence critics. Drobot was charged by the U.S. Attorney with orchestrating a conspiracy in which tens of millions of dollars in illegal kickbacks were paid to doctors, chiropractors, marketers, and others who referred patients to the former Pacific Hospital for spinal surgery.
Prosecutors said that Drobot also paid $28,000 in bribes to State Senator Ron Calderon to support legislation delaying or limiting changes in workers' compensation laws that would have directly affected Drobot's scheme. The hospital submitted more than $500 million worth of fraudulent bills between 2008 and last year. Much of the total was paid by the California Workers' Compensation System. Drobot pled guilty in February to government allegations that he paid kickbacks to surgeons for referring patients to Pacific Hospital of Long Beach. The criminal case did not include allegations of providing counterfeit parts or devices to patients. He faces 10 years in prison when he is sentenced in October 2015. And now our fraud report. A Contra Costa County jail inmate added 10 counts to a 50-charge indictment after he allegedly tried to order the killings of witnesses set to testify against him in a workers' compensation fraud case. Charles Waldo was indicted by grand jury with nine counts of solicitation to commit murder and one count of conspiracy to commit murder. The indictment alleges that while serving the time in custody at the Martinez detention facility, he solicited and conspired with other inmates to arrange the killing of nine different witnesses that were set to testify against him. These 10 new charges will be added to the 50 charges he currently faces. The investigation of Mr. Waldo began when the Auto Insurance Fraud Unit of the Contra Costa County District Attorney's Office received information about a fraudulent auto insurance arson claim. The investigation expanded and soon involved multiple fraudulent insurance claims related to the arsons and vandalisms of five cars over a five-year period. The investigation also uncovered a series of crimes that occurred at a local business where it is alleged that Waldo embezzled over $100,000 and stole property including a $38,000 generator. Investigators from the California Insurance Department of Insurance established that Waldo was also committing workers' compensation insurance fraud and tax code violations. Investigators from the Employment Development Department discovered that Mr. Waldo claimed unemployment insurance benefits for a year after being fired from the victim's business. Mr. Waldo claimed these benefits despite the fact that he had secured other employment. The new allegations came to light when a witness was alerted that a hit had been put out on him. The district attorney's office promptly started investigation which led to two witnesses and one document, a hit list that included nine names, the order of which, the order in which they were being killed, to be killed, and suggested methods by which the murders were to occur. The methods included staged car accidents, drug overdoses, and robberies that had gone bad. The charges carry a maximum penalty of 25 years to life in jail. In charges alleging public contract fraud, forged real estate deals, and identity theft stretching from Alameda to Orange counties, authorities arrested a black Muslim minister, his mother, and five others. Authorities say they ran a wide-ranging scam through a private security form, firm 
known as Black Muslim Temple, or BMT, International Security Services. Prosecutors said the group led an organized and sophisticated criminal enterprise conducting an extraordinary variety of fraudulent activities. The charges involved large-scale bid fraud, victimizing local communities and cities and counties around the state, and also real estate fraud, insurance fraud, bankruptcy fraud, income tax evasion, and the exploitation of workers by evading workers' compensation insurance and payroll. BMT also falsely claimed its guards were retired Navy SEALs and its leader a former FBI agent. The 118-page affidavit alleged the firm faked insurance and state license documents and made fanciful claims of expertise it did not possess. The group sought and at times obtained lucrative contracts with Los Angeles agencies, Alameda County, Vallejo, Oakland, the Port of Oakland, and Newport Beach. The Port of Oakland was in the final stages of agreeing to terms with the company when it terminated negotiations, citing a San Jose Mercury news story about the bogus credentials. The City of Oakland also backed off on a proposal to award the firm part of a contract to guard City Hall. The Housing Authority of the City of Los Angeles rescinded a BMT contract after the investigation by the newspaper. Alameda County canceled its contract with the firm back in 2012 after a BMT guard beat up a guard from a rival company on the first day of the county contract to protect a public works building in Hayward. A lawsuit by the injured guard helped expose the fraudulent credentials that government procurement officials had failed to vet when awarding the contracts. Upon learning that BMT was still listing it as its insurance carrier, the insurance company in that lawsuit contacted district attorney investigators to alert them to the discrepancy. The policy had been canceled in 2009 for non-payments of premiums. Those arrested included 42-year-old black Muslim minister Dahoud Sharif Bey and his mother, 63-year-old Rory Parker and several others. A Los Angeles probation officer, 46-year-old Cynthia Wesley of Claremont, was arrested on two felony counts of insurance fraud. An investigation by the California Department of Insurance Fraud Division revealed that Wesley filed an altered workers' compensation return to work slip extending her total temporary disability. The same altered documents were submitted to her supplemental disability insurance company. Wesley was allegedly double-dipping and received three months of fraudulent disability benefits from the Los Angeles County Pro Probation Department and her supplemental disability insurance policy. Wesley's insurance was unaware of the overpayment and the altered documentation until notified by department investigators. If convicted, Wesley faces a maximum sentence of five years, eight months in county jail. Federal authorities are stepping up prosecutions of corporations involved in healthcare fraud by announcing plans to prosecute top executives who are involved. For the most part, fraud-related cases against healthcare organizations have often ended up with restitution or settlements, not criminal prosecutions of executives that involve prison time. 
Companies have been able to resolve these cases by entering into non-prosecution or deferred prosecution agreements and leave individual executives untouched. The Justice Department is sending out signals that it wants to step up prosecutions of the executives who are involved due to public perception that corporate executives are getting free passes. In addition to the Justice Department's efforts, the Department of Health and Human Services Office of Inspector General is also stepping up its fraud crackdown activities. OIG often gets involved in criminal cases against owners of small medical companies or clinics or individual physicians where false billing and identity fraud is alleged. Cases involving identity theft are a growing problem. One of the largest and most blatant case to date was the prosecution and conviction of the owner of a Long Island, New York medical supply company who posed as a clinician when visiting nursing homes. Helen Michelle entered nursing homes pretending she was a clinician and stole information from patient charts and submitted more than $7 million in fraudulent Medicare billing using those records. Michelle was convicted and sentenced to 12 years federal prison time and ordered to pay more than $4.4 million in restitution. Her husband and co-conspirator, Etienne Alance, tops the most wanted fugitive list. Alance is, a, is believed to be in Haiti. And in other news, a new study by the Insurance Information Institute says that the primary impact of the Ebola epidemic on property and casualty insurers will be on companies writing workers' compensation insurance. The Senior Institute Vice President and Chief Economist said the workers' compensation category will likely be most affected because healthcare workers could be most directly exposed. Other possible effects might be on various liability insurance lines such as general liability, directors and officers liability, and medical malpractice liability. But the likelihood of claims is low, assuming that employers and their workers take CDC-recommended precautions. Reinsurance will also help mitigate the financial effect of a surge in claims, which are likely to be very costly in the event of actual work-related infections. The report said at this stage it is impossible to forecast the precise number of such claims or the amounts of damages that might be sought. Assuming the Center for Disease Control's protocols are successfully followed, the number of Ebola cases should be small. As for the total world impact, Weisbart said that as of October, the Ebola virus has infected at least 8,399 people and killed 4,035, according to the World Health Organization. All but four of the cases were in four countries in Africa. The mortality rate of infected people to date is roughly 50%. The DWC is now accepting nominations for its annual Carrie Nevins Community Service Awards. This award will be presented at the 22nd Annual Education Conference luncheons in February. The awards, which began in 2010, were renamed in memory and honor of Carrie Nevins, their acting administrative director, who passed away in 2011. 
DIR Director Christine Baker said this award is about recognizing and acknowledging those extraordinary individuals whose efforts do so much to benefit the comp system for the betterment of employees and employers. Nominations should be made for those individuals who have made a significant contribution in the highest professional manner. DWC will honor the Southern California recipient in Los Angeles and the Northern California recipient in Oakland during an award ceremony at the Educational Conference luncheons. To submit your nominations, please complete the DWC nomination form and return it no later than January 5, 2015. That's all our news and events for this week. Please check our website daily for news updates, past editions of our news, and much more. And remember, you can subscribe to our weekly news podcasts and special reports using your iPhone, iPad, iPod, or Android device by searching for the WorkComp Academy with your podcast software. Again, I'm Eric Law, an attorney with Floyd, Skerrin, and Kelly. Thanks for joining us today, and drop by again next week for more news.